WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. All right, back here in the Sports Zone. We've got Mets tickets to give away. We will do that this hour. Uh, your chance to win coming up. Uh, the Mets snowed out today against the Philadelphia Phillies. They'll be back in action tomorrow night. Uh, just about this time, first pitch. Uh, it'll be at 710. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, we got the Sports Zone for another couple of hours. And joining uh, myself right now, it is Jim Duquette, former general manager of the Mets. You can hear him on MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM these days. And uh, Duke, how you been? Everything good? Petey Mac, everything is going well. Thanks, and uh, good to be on tonight. That's great. Uh, so, you know, tell me from you know, the GM perspective a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. These young managers around the game. Aaron Boone has, you know, after the decision yesterday, he's going through the grinder uh, for yep. the first time here. Uh, Alex Cora felt a little bit opening day. Gabe Kapler in a big way over the last uh, few uh, after this past weekend. W- what are you looking to see as far as how some of these young guys when they're under the microscope for the first time, how, how they're handling what is happening around them. Yeah, so th- I mean, each one of them are different cases, as you just kind of pointed out. But I, I think when you're when you're in the front office and you have a first time manager, I remember going through it with Willie Randolph in particular. I had a, a new one down here in Baltimore, a guy named, uh, like Dave Tremblay, although he had more managerial experience, at least in the in the minor leagues. But what you're you're hoping for is that. You know, there's the preparation that's done ahead of time. You're kind of watching this in spring training, and 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 you're going through those conversations at least once or twice before the season gets going. Even you know, with Mickey Callaway, hey, if this situation happens, what are you going to do? How how are you? you What's the communication like? You go through that, you know, in in a in a tangible way, just to make sure you don't have what happened to, to Gabe Kapler the other day on Saturday when. He went out, took the pitcher out without somebody warming up in the bullpen. And, and it happened to Boone, Aaron Moon, too. Luckily for him, it was in spring training uh, when he brought Batances back out, uh, you know, once he had been into the into the clubhouse. Mm. I think I think he was even undressed at one point or didn't have his cleats on or shirt on, but Batances didn't. So they called him back out during the game. So So it does happen. But you know it's an embarrassment, obviously, to the organization, and you're really putting players at risk if if uh, you know you do that. And, and that's what Kapler did the other day. Yeah, it was a it was a mess there. I mean, would you be curious how you know the Phillies players respond to that? Do, do you think it's just you know quickly swept under the rug? Okay, took accountability, and that's it. Because that is a, the kind of mistake that we just haven't seen in a real no. regular season game. I don't think I, I can't remember seeing it in 25 years uh, of that of this happening, and and maybe it did happen one of the other time, but I can't remember it. Mm-hmm. And someone had suggested it happened to Ron Renicky in Milwaukee uh, a few years ago, and his first time through. I, I don't remember that, but but what, but regardless, it does put a strain. You know, if you're if your main uh, let's say strength, one of your main strengths is communication, which is what. Gabe Kapler espouses and what you hear from the Phillies people. If that's your be- if that's your your main characteristic and you fail miserably in that area, uh, you know, in the, basically the first weekend of the of the of the season, yeah, it, it brings up some serious concerns and question marks with your players. And there already, you know, we're a little bit with the hire. You know, there wasn't the most universally loved hire in Kapler. There were a lot of eyebrows that were raised. He's a little. A little bit uh, different, coming in with some different philosophies. Um, in, in you know, in particular, you know, he, I mean, himself, which you don't hear a lot of. You know, he's he um, he was before a spring training game. He was 
uh, met, doing a little meditation when he was, should have been going out with his coaches before, like 20 minutes before the game. So little things like that that, you know, today's modern managers, they, they usually um, aren't doing that type of stuff. So he, he's come in with some controversy around him, and then this happens on top of it. it. You do worry about his credibility within the veteran leadership of the clubhouse. And the Mets, uh, we'll get a look at Kapler and the Phillies uh, starting up tomorrow as we chat with Jim Duquette, MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM. Now, Callaway might have been in those cross as well with the lineup he put out game two they score nine runs on opening day and then you know changes it up and Brandon Nimmo is sitting and Kevin Pulecki is sitting and, and they had great opening days uh, he had logic to it that this yep. is what he had planned out he wants to get all these guys at bats what did you make of shifting things and they scored six runs won the game so it didn't yep. become a big thing afterwards but first guessing it well, I, I mean, first guessing it, I, I'm not a big fan of you know somebody like you mentioned with with uh, Nimmo having the day that he did and Plawecki the way he did. You know, it, what happens a lot of times these managers, young managers in particular, they get locked in to starting a guy, you know, because they t- try try to tell him in advance. And for me, there has to be some room for flexibility to start the same guy if he had an exceptional day from the day before. And that's what both of those guys did. It, you know, me, for me, uh, I, it would have been very, very difficult to start uh, uh, when you end up looking at having Lagares start in particular. You know, now it worked out. Darno hit the home run. Uh, you know, Lagares had a couple hits too. Mm-hmm. You know, early on, Bobby Valentine used to try to get everybody a start within the first three to four games of the of the of the regular season at the very beginning of the year, just to get everybody into the flow of it. So. That's, you know, obviously that's what Mickey was trying to do there. I might have picked the Sunday game and not maybe the Saturday one. Okay, and, uh, you know, it ended up working out, so it doesn't get much now. Is it true, if you guys, when you were there as the GM with the Mets or, or in the front office with the Mets, that if a guy had a home run, they were automatically in the lineup the next day? Is that something you did for some period of time? Well, that was my policy. I, 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 and I remember arguing with a couple managers, not necessarily Bobby Bobby V, but Bobby was was a, a believer of that. And I think that's where I I probably got it from. But I always felt like, geez, if you can hit a home run in a major league game, uh, that's good enough to start the next day, no matter what. I, I used to talk about it with with uh, you know when Joe McEwing would go deep on Randy Johnson, which happened an awful lot. You know, he, he, the guy would would uh, invariably get at least a start the next day. So so that was the the general feel. Not everyone felt that way. Not every manager I know down here in, in Baltimore uh, with the manager I had here, he didn't he didn't agree necessarily on that. So we'd get into some discussions, and sometimes there would be arguments. But yeah, I, I, you know, again, that was one of those where man it. You know, especially against uh, that type of pitcher, if you're you're, you're battling like that and, and uh, having that type of success, uh, home run, extra base, you know, a couple uh, hits in a game, man, that's deserving of going back out there. Especially in the guys that don't play them as much. Did it ever work where a guy like you know actually hit a, another home run the next day and and actually you had a little run out of that? Well, I remember early with the Mets, you know, Benny Agbayani, and I'm pretty sure it was with Bobby V. We, you know, we had that philosophy. He, he came into a game as one of his first games. Ended up having a good one, and he sent him back out there. And before you know it, he put together, you know, basically one of those all-time great starts there for uh, Mets history for for a young player. Uh, it's still talked about to this day. You know, kind of like with, with the Yankees with Kevin Moss. There's like two guys: there's Kevin Moss and Benny Agbayani. They both mm-hmm. had uh, great great starts. And it wasn't designed that way for Benny. You know, Benny was like a fourth outfielder. Mm-hmm. You know, for, at times. During those uh, during those years, 
And so it really, he really had to fight and battle for the matchups and get his at-bats whenever he could. But, you know, he went on this run. He was so hot. And, and I want to say Mike Jacobs was a similar, uh, similar story when he first came up, you know, where he hit a couple of home runs, and, and then all of a sudden the manager wants to, wants to take him out of the lineup. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, uh, either it was Art, Howe, or, or Willie. One of those two was right in that range where they were, you know, they wanted to send uh, Jacobs down after uh, a couple of games. You're like, wait a minute, this guy is, is about as hot as we have on our team. We can't do that. So it does happen where guys will, will swing the bat well enough where they – they help you win a couple games. But it's interesting because I feel like most fans uh, agree with that mentality. Hey, you had a home run Sunday. You should be in the lineup on Monday. Yet, listening yeah. to Mickey Calloway on Saturday talk about how the lineup was set up, he doesn't sound like he's going to be in that camp. And I wonder, would you do it because it was a reward for a good game? Or was it because you actually thought, hey, maybe there's something here. This guy is quote-unquote hot, and we yeah. could ride this for a little while. Well, I think I think that there's you know the ability to to you know ride a player, uh, especially if it's a, a, a you know a complementary type player, a bench a role player, bench player. You know they get into to grooves too. And and again, I, I I'd like to go back and refer to someone like Bobby V because he was he was so good at it. What what he did and it was a little different with him at times because he would this is what before you had the metrics uh, where you could kind of evaluate it based off of some of the algorithms that are out that are available to front offices now but you know he was so good at, right, hey tonight I've got a, a a guy who's primarily a slider ball pitcher righty slider ball pitcher I've got a guy in a bench uh, like in Mark Johnson a left-handed power bat that has slider bat speed I'm going to start him tonight on a hunch that he's going to he's going to you know have a good night and I'm telling you more times than not he he would do that he'd end up hitting a home run and for me that that was you know Bobby V one of Bobby V's tremendous talents and I I wonder if Mickey's going to try to do the same type of stuff and maybe set his lineup in, you know in advance. Yeah, and it sounds like you know Callaway wants to you know have these lineups in advance and the city had already mapped out quite a few of them. Uh, and finally, Jim, I mean one thing you learned uh, about the Mets uh, this yeah. past weekend, you know, winning two out of three against the Cardinals. Well, I, you know what? I think that uh, when you when you look, you know, we got to find out. You know, I don't, I don't know. Did they announce something on Swarzak yet? We got to find out on that. Obviously, the depth of their bullpen is definitely improved with Gaselman. If Swarzak can hopefully stay healthy, it didn't look good the other day. But no, and Robles is in New York, so it appears yeah. Swarzak is headed to the DL. All right, so that doesn't look good. But you know, outside of that, it, it, their bullpen, which we know has been you know somewhat of an issue, is going to be deeper than than uh, I think we can remember in, in some time. So that to me stands out for sure. And I, I really believe that the infield defense on the left side, in particular, mm-hmm. is going to be better than we thought. I don't know about the right side. I don't think the range is all that good on either guy with Cabrera Gonzalez, but I do think the defense will be better. And I think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And as we know with the, you know, with the outfield, I think that I feel like when Conforto comes back, that offense is going to be a little deeper than what we've seen over the last year or two. Would you give him a chance to be active as soon as Thursday? If he's ready to go, I'd start him up Thursday. I really would. I I don't, I don't think there'd be any hesitation. And listen, I know. You know, and for me, here here's the interesting thing. I'd send Lagares out. I don't know if they will, and I know he's the right-handed bat, but and he's a good defender. I get it, but Nimmo's played well enough where I, I would give him the uh, more of the opportunity. I don't think they'll do that. I think they're too left-handed in that sense. But you know, if you do it, do it just up based on merit, Nimmo deserves to 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 stay when Conforto comes up. Well, I would think Philip Evans would go down, and they go both five outfielders. No. 
I mean, they could. I guess they could, and you know, because Reyes can play multiple positions yeah. and still with Flores, that that seems logical. Um, you know, I I think that's probably that could be the the other idea. Because Lagares's defense at the end of games, they, they don't have a true to, center fielder there. Right. It's hard to right. It's hard to t- hard to send him down um, or send him out. Uh, but you know, again, if you're if you're stuck. That would be the guy. But I think you're right. Evans is probably the guy, he has, the, and he's the one with the options anyway. All right. Uh, Jim Duquette, Sirius XM. Check him out, MLB Network Radio. And uh, Duke, always a pleasure. Thank you, All sir. Right, we'll do a little SNY this weekend, too, so check that out, too. That's right. Every weekend right. on uh, on SNY. Thanks, Duke. Right, uh, Pete. Bye. Be good. Uh, Jim giving us a, a pop here. We can uh, jump on to some of what he had to say. Again, 800-321-0710, the number. Uh, we'll have Todd Zalecki with more on the Phillies. You heard a little bit of what's happening there with Gabe Kapler, but how is it playing in that clubhouse? Did he lose any integrity within there after uh, making a you know, phantom move to the bullpen or a move to a phantom reliever in the bullpen? Nobody was warming up uh, on Saturday. So we'll have Todd Zalecki with us uh, in about uh, 15 minutes. And we've got another pair of Mets tickets to give away, uh, which we will do over the course of the 7 o'clock hour. So before 8 o'clock, your chance to win Mets tickets right here on 710-WOR. You're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Hi, and always nice uh, catching up with Jim Duquette. And uh, interesting as uh, you know, as he was given some thoughts on this past weekend for the Mets that uh, when Conforto comes back up, he, he thought Lagares should go down. And, and I'm not sure that'll be necessary with Philip Evans uh, on the roster, but I think it does highlight something that has changed relatively drastically in a short period of time that Brandon Nimmo is ahead of Ligaris in the pecking order. Now, you know, Ligaris has some hits in his first two games of the season, got an extra opportunity yesterday when Brandon Nimmo was sick Saturday night and dehydrated Sunday, so he wasn't able to play and, in fact, was sent home during the game. Uh, but for Ligaris here, uh, he has... You know, dropped uh, quite a bit, and, and a lot of it's been Nimmo just playing really well and showing he can handle center field uh, to a well enough degree. You know, certainly he's not the player in center field that Lagaris is, but even with the hits with Lagaris, uh, he changed his swing path to try to be a little bit more of a power guy, or at least uh, he's working with the swing coach, worked with JD Martinez, and if he's adapting that whole philosophy which is, hey, the best thing you can do in baseball is not hitting a line drive back up the box over the pitcher's head. The best thing you could do is hit it 400 feet into the stands in left center field. Well, that's not what we saw from Lagares, even when he was hitting well this past weekend. He's just hitting line drives, and that's great. And For Lagares, you just want to see him get on base. He doesn't need to be a power guy, but I would be curious, did he revert back to old habits or is that intended with the you know more of the uppercut in his swing um you know because those aren't the kind of results that you would expect from someone who you know made the changes that Lagares made so even though he's able to get a few hits here it's not what was hyped up i guess or what you imagined uh when you know he's working with uh, the swing coach it's one of these launch angle guys and you know try to hit it to the stars and, and get it the heck out of town um so you have uh you had that going on as far as the mets go but that'll be a huge plus uh even when michael conforto 
is able to come back and, you know, again, was able to hit off of Jason Vargas today in a simulated game. They would have done it on the mound, but because of the snow, they had to do it indoors. So it doesn't exactly feel like real baseball, but uh, at least it's something because for Conforto, it seems the shoulder is fine. It's just a matter of getting him some reps, getting him some at-bats. Unfortunately, the minor league season hasn't begun yet. It begins, I believe, on Thursday. So there's really not a whole lot of rehab opportunities. So you you might as well just let them figure it out at the big league level, right? As long as you're not putting them at physical risk of getting hurt, uh, he's been able to play in some Grapefruit League games. He got to see Vargas in person here. He gets some batting practice the next couple of days. Uh, throw him in against the Nationals. When he was playing against the minor leaguers down in Florida and he was able to hit off some some Mets minor leaguers in extended spring, every time I looked up, he was hitting a home run off of somebody. It was, you know, Mets prospect David Peterson, their first-round pick this past year. Conforto's launching off of him. You know, a couple of other name guys in the Mets system. He's just killing it uh, down there against those guys. So it seems he's got enough going with the hand-eye that – uh, he'll be okay, and you know maybe uh, out of the blocks, it, it's not ideal to see that uh, Nationals pitching, but what, what are you going to do? Send him to Vegas, have him play four days over there, and then bring him back to the team? I, I think uh, you know, you'd rather just see him get it going, and it's certainly enticing to do. And the Mets will you know, make that determination, but at the very least, the option that they have of you know, getting him back in the lineup as soon as Thursday, which would be against Steven Strasburg, that's a major plus for them because Conforto is the best offensive player on this Mets team. Uh, he showed that last year. He can beat you in a variety of ways. He can hit the home run out to left center field. He could drive it in the gap. He can, um, you know, make some nice defensive plays. He's not afraid to throw his body around, and, and we'll see if he still has that lack of fear. But that's something I talked to him about in the winter, and he said that, you know, he wouldn't come back if he didn't feel that, you know, he could dive for a ball in the outfield and uh, make some of those plays. So uh, apparently is feeling, you know, about 100% as he's back into it now. Uh, I, I mean, that could be a, a huge, huge plus uh, for the Mets to get him back. And the Mets offense, I know they didn't hit yesterday, but it looked capable the first two games. They have you know guys that could do some damage. I mean, one through nine, I guess you got to say now, with the Mid-Rosario having some uh, key RBIs in that nine spot the first series against the Cardinals. They have a little bit of pop throughout, and it's more balanced. There's more ways to beat you uh, with this Mets lineup the way that it is structured right now than what we saw last year where with Granderson, Walker, Duda versus, say, I guess the equivalent now would be um, Frazier and Adrian Gonzalez and um, I'm not sure exactly the third would be right now, but uh, you know you have a, a a little bit more contact ability, and they don't necessarily they're not faster, not necessarily more athletic, but it, it feels like they'll put the ball in play a little bit more. You know, get a couple of base hits, and it's not all home run dependent like it was uh, early on last year. At least that was the feel opening weekend. This team's still going to be home runs first, uh, but they got to find other ways to score. They couldn't do that last year, and you know, just opening day, 
Nine runs without a homer. Mets only did that twice in 162 games last year. Uh, so we'll see if those, you know, salt and pepper grinding rallies are something that uh, they'll be more capable of here in 2018. Uh, your chance to win Mets tickets coming up. Uh, we'll have Todd Zalecki covers the Phillies for MLB.com coming up, and we'll dive into uh, what's happening there in Philly. The expectations have ramped up, certainly, and you know, is this Good timing or bad timing with all of the headlines surrounding Gabe Kapler to dive into a divisional series against the Mets. Uh, Todd's lucky when we come back. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. It's the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on 710 WOR. All right, back here in the sports zone. Your chance to win Mets tickets uh, coming up this hour. Uh, but we welcome on right now Todd Zalecki, covers the Phillies for MLB.com. And uh, Todd, you had some fun on the seven train today? Yeah, I did. It was. Uh, it took a little longer than expected. Can't believe there's delays. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I know. It's just absolutely stunning uh, when that happens. But uh, unfortunately, very rarely the uh, seven train will not work uh, as precisely as uh, as you might like. But uh, glad glad you're you know, everything's good. Um, you know, how about for the Phillies here? Uh, they they get the Mets after the series against the Braves, and obviously that finale on Saturday was a mess with Gabe Kapler. Uh, you know, going to the bullpen and nobody was warming up. Is it? Is it a good thing for the Phillies or a terrible thing that they dive right into you know another big divisional series here against the Mets? Well, I think you know the Mets uh, pose some challenges certainly. So I think it would be better if they were probably facing the Marlins right off the bat. You know, coming off that Braves series, a team that's probably going to lose over a hundred games, or maybe some of the other teams in in the National League that maybe aren't trying to to compete so much. I mean, it's going to be a challenge. The Phillies had a really bad week uh, in Atlanta. You know, a lot of criticism about Gabe Kapler, and I think that they really need to get this thing turned around. You know, uh, rookie manager, a lot of highly questionable decisions made this week. People in Philly are, are really angry about it and if if there was a honeymoon for Gabe Kapler I would say that that is, is that is definitely over. Yeah, it's rough when it ends uh, 3 days in, but uh I think Alex Cora it was the first day that he's getting questioned big time in Boston and Aaron Boone's going through it in New York, uh but it it does seem to be on a different level for Gabe Kapler and um before we dive into, you know, what makes, you know, Kapler unique as a manager, how about it, within that clubhouse did what did you sense when you went in there after the game? Were guys accepting that, hey, a mistake's a mistake, uh, and, and everybody makes them? Or uh, was there an unhappiness with the, the way that went down in the spot that Hobie Milner was put in? You know, I, I think there was an acceptance that it was a mistake and it was a screw-up. But, but that said, if this, is, if this happens again sure. or something like this happens again, it's not going to sit so well. You know, I mean, in other words, I, I think – the Phillies are kind of on guard about it. The players in that clubhouse are like, okay, that was really bad. That was embarrassing. This should not happen again. But if it does happen again, you know, it's really going to raise some eyebrows. Like, what is, you know, what is Gabe Kapler doing? You know, is, is he in control of everything? You know, he didn't exactly say what the mis- miscommunication was. Uh, this is just me totally speculating here. I think that um, some sort of message between the pitching coach and the bullpen coach was not relayed. In other words, hey, get Milner up. If, if Freddie Freeman's coming up in this inning or the lefties are coming up, we want Milner instead. Uh, that was not relayed to Hobie Milner, and, and, and that's what happened. But, but Gabe has taken the responsibility for it. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. But 
not a good not a good first impression. First impressions are a big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he's he, you know the Phillies have to they have to start winning this month. And I'm trying not to be over dramatic about it, but with the Phillies, they really do need to start winning and playing winning baseball. Otherwise, you know you do wonder if if Kapler could lose the clubhouse. Yeah, and the expectations have been raised uh, for this team with some of the moves they made in the off season, which we'll get to as we chat with Todd Zalecki. How about how aggressive he's been going to the pen on opening day? Everybody saw it. Aaron Nola uh, pulled sixty eight pitches into his start. He's the ace. Now, I understand he had kind of a choppy spring training, so uh, he wasn't going to go deep into the game or much deeper into the game anyway. But is the team on board and, and understand how he wants to operate that pen? Was this is this part of the plan for Gabe Kapler in terms of how he wants to manage his team going forward? Well, it's funny. He said that was absolutely the plan for Thursday, and it was the plan for this weekend, but it's not the plan for the future. Okay. So I, I, I talked to him actually today uh, at City Field and asked him to kind of further explain what's go, what was going on. And he said they went into the se- they went into the season uh, knowing that they did not want to totally let Aaron Nola loose because it was a three game series. They had a nine man bullpen, and they were going to be really aggressive in how they used their bullpen for that series because they had an off day Sunday and because they wanted to bring back Aaron Nola on regular rest um, this week against the Mets. So he said that was the plan. He said they loved the matchup with Milner versus Freddie Freeman in that inning. Um, but then he said, you know what, this is, we are going to let Aaron Nola pitch deep into games. This is not going to be a thing where he only pitches five plus innings and we automatically yank him out. He said, this was a opening week plan that we had. It did not work. Uh, but he very strongly believes it was the correct plan. Um, you know, talking to people around baseball, I think he's definitely in the minority there. You know, people around baseball say, how do you pull your starting, your best pitcher? After 68 pitches with a five nothing lead, when he's been dominating to that point, you know you kind of have to use the eye test there. And maybe maybe they should have gone. And I I, I agree with this. Mm-hmm. They should have said, you know what, we had this plan. We're going to pull him around now, but we're not pulling him now. He's he's too good. He's too good. We're going to let him go a little bit longer. Yeah, you got to adjust sometimes. We uh, chat with Todd Zalecki, covers the Phillies for MLB.com. But finally, on Kapler. I mean, what are some of the, the eccentricities that you've noticed with him? We just had Jim Duquette on. He's talking about how Kapler was uh, meditating before one of the spring training games. Like, in what ways is he different than, you know, your, your typical manager that you've covered over the years? Well, I mean, yeah, the meditation, uh, he's really big into slogans and catchphrases and ways of uniting people. You know, he's had this catchphrase for spring training called Be Bold. Um, let's look at the, his office in Clearwater. You know, he took out a regular desk. He put in a standing desk. You know, he has candles in there. Uh, he has, um, you know, he doesn't use the fluorescent lighting uh, above. He put in, brought in lamps to kind of improve the ambiance. He had Bluetooth speakers uh, kind of plugged in around the these big concrete hallways they have in the clubhouse facilities down in Clearwater just to play some music to kind of feel, you know, almost kind of improve the ambiance. He, he cites scientific studies that say, you know, uh, music can improve mood and performance. You know, he he, um, he had all the sorts of like team building events. So he does a lot of the, he does a lot of those things. He stresses communication. He's big into texting players, big into social. You know, being involved in social media with players. 
um, which is all great, right? I mean, all that stuff is great if you get you get off to a good start and you start winning, and, and or even if you don't win, but you're losing in a way that seems kind of normal. Yeah, you gotta get the buy-in. Right, exactly. You have to get the buy-in, but but this these first three games were really bad in terms of that buy-in. And, um, you know, hey, it's just three games. I get it. He can get it turned around. Maybe they split against the Mets. Maybe they sweep the Mets. But if they go 0-2 against the Mets, or even if they split and it's, it looks really ugly still, I mean, he's going to go home on Thursday, uh, that home opener in Philly, and it could be pretty ugly for him. No, it's a big spot, and it becomes a big series for the Phillies here against the Mets. But I'm just picturing the candles in the office. Like if you had to call a player into the office to like send him down to the minor leagues, like it sounds almost dark, like hocus pocus kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's definitely different. But he's he's kind of really in tune. He really believes yeah. in a lot of that uh, feng shui, you know, power of music, power of mental thought, you know, that type of kind of outlook on life, and you know. Again, we'll see how it's it works. Fine and great if you're winning yeah. baseball games, but if you're losing baseball games and losing in the fashion that they lost against mm-hmm. Atlanta, it's it's tough to it's tough to take and tough to swallow. Now, even after that loss Saturday, he maintained the Phillies are going to be a playoff team, and they made some moves in the off season, bringing in Carlos Santana, bringing in Jake Arrieta. How has uh, this team grown uh, from you know the last few seasons where it's been rough? There, have you? You, you noticed a change that some of those veterans have been able to to bring about beyond just you know what's happened in the manager's office there. Yeah, you know I definitely think that having Carlos Santana on this roster, Jake Arrieta on this roster, it it lets those younger players know that there there are different expectations now, and that, and there really was a really positive feeling coming into the season. You know, not only because of Carlos Santana and Jake Arrieta, but the, the Phillies do have some young, talented players. Reese Hoskins, you know, hit 18 home runs in 50 games last season. Uh, Scott Kingery, who they just signed to that six-year, $24 million contract before he before he played a single inning in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. He's got four hits in his first two games. I, you know, I personally think, um, I've been wrong before, but if Scott Kingery is not a star player in the big leagues for a long time, uh, I will be very, very surprised. I think he's that good. Aaron Nola, you know, is 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 a very good pitcher. You know, they have some other young players around the field, Aaron Altair, Jorge Alfaro, JP Crawford that that have some talent. So those when those veterans came in, I think it sent a message to them that, you know, the the rebuild, that let's be patient. We're all happy to be here. Let's just take small steps forward. Uh, I think it sent a message to them that there's going to be a little bit more expected. And that's why this Kapler thing, the first three games, I think is has really upset a lot of people in Philly because they are expecting some significant improvement. Maybe they don't make the playoffs this year, but certainly they want they believe that they should be a, a 500 or better team and if it, at the very least on the periphery of that NL wild card race. And it's a city of champions now with the uh, the yeah. Eagles and and we'll see about tonight. I'm, I'm sure you got Nova tonight, Todd. How much you got them by? You know, I I think I I think they're going to win by 10. Um I I've I I I've seen them a little bit this year. Um, I just think they're a much better team than Michigan. Hey, you know what? But I would love, but I would love just a close basketball game. The NCAA, the title game that they were in two years ago with North Carolina was one of the best basketball games I've ever seen. I would definitely take another one of those. I find those close games they're they're either 
really great if you win them, and then really terrible if you lose them. But uh, right. but yes, you know, if you if you get it on the positive end again, that'll be uh, a good thing for you. Well, good luck with that. But uh, always a pleasure having you on, Todd, and we appreciate the time tonight. Thanks anytime. All right, Todd Zalecki covers the Phillies for MLB.com, and yeah, I. This is a big series for Philadelphia. It's the second series of the year, but the way things have broke down here, uh, it becomes a big series. And for the Mets, you know, it's an opportunity to, you know, stomp on somebody. If you could do that early on in the year, if you can make the Phillies home opener later this week, just a mess where they're getting booed, where Gabe Kapler is walking out getting booed from day one. That's something that you got to try to jump on here. And these opportunities don't always come up in April or early on in the year. But if a team is, and the Phillies are, you know, it's talking about playoffs and trying to compete with the Mets and uh, theoretically the Nationals as well. But you got to think the Mets probably the, the number one team that the Phillies have in their uh, sights here. If you could take a shot at them and you had this kind of opportunity. You want to take advantage of it. That's something the Mets will have, uh, you know, the chance to do over the next couple of days with Matt Harvey in game one tomorrow. And then Noah Syndergaard lined up for that, uh, that finale. So, you know, it's a rough time in Philadelphia, even three games into the season because of how poorly it all looked. This past weekend, uh, 800-321-0710, your chance to win Mets tickets on the other side of this break. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. It's the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on 710 WOR. Now's your chance to win a couple of tickets to see the Mets and the Brewers on April 14th at City Field. Be caller number 7 at 800-321-0710. And you're the winner. Brought to you by the New York Mets and Coca-Cola. Get to City Field on Saturday night, April 14th, to see the Mets take on the Brewers. Stay after the game for a spectacular fireworks show that will light up the sky. Purchase tickets at Mets.com slash tickets. Caller 7-800-321-0710 to see the Metsies coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, How about this? Bartolo Colon is going to be making a start tonight for the Texas Rangers was just uh, called up earlier today. Uh, now, it's unclear how long he's going to stick around with the Rangers as he might be uh, designated for assignment after the game, and it's kind of unsure whether or not he'll go to the minor leagues or not. So I suppose it's possible that you know, maybe this is uh, the end for Cologne. And I, I don't have much to, to give you on that by, but... He didn't pitch well at all over the course of last season. He wasn't able to crack the Rangers rotation initially here. It's only because of injury that he's going to make a spot start. Is he someone that would want to go to the minor leagues and hang around and hope that an opportunity comes up? Uh, it doesn't seem there's a whole lot of teams around baseball that are, you know, just dying to bring in Bartolo Colon. So I would, I would wonder about that. Just an open question. Just, uh, you know, again, not going by any kind of inside info here, but, uh, just looking at, you know, what the situation is for Bartolo Colon, who last year had an ERA of six and a half. Now, 
yeah, he was very good with the Mets as recently as two years ago. Uh, but when you you put up that kind of ERA as you start to get deep into your forties, you know there are plenty of questions that pop up as far as that goes and how long you're going to go and obviously you know how much he'd want to you know stick around potentially uh in the uh in the minor leagues but uh for Cologne this spring he did throw okay 18 innings with a 3 even ERA 3.00 in 5 starts uh so he pitched okay uh with the Rangers in the spring and and we'll see if Someone else jumps on Team Bartolo if he sticks around, maybe with the Rangers in one way, shape, or form. But we know, you know, Bartolo wants to reach Juan Marichal in terms of wins, and right now he's at 240 wins over the course of his major league career. Still has uh, a little ways to go, but it is uh, it is remarkable. So Bartolo tonight will be pitching for his 11th team, the eighth American League team. There are only 15, so he's more than halfway there. And it'll be his 21st season of Major League Baseball. I mean, that's that's a heck of a run. And if you mention Bartolo, I feel like you kind of have to mention Ichiro in the same breath, right, as uh, guys that at 44 years old are still chugging along and, and making it happen. And how about Ichiro this week? He robbed a home run. Guy's 44 years old, back in Seattle, and robbed the home run, got up over the wall, and... It's uh, it's amazing what Ichiro can still do out there on the field. He's clearly, you know, not what he was uh, ten years ago, but uh, he could still be, you know, productive at times. We saw last year in Miami, and still has a, a little bit of that Spider-Man stuff going for him as he was able to uh, scale the wall at Safeco over the course of this weekend. Uh, another subplot uh, in Major League Baseball this past week. This happened yesterday with the Twins and the Orioles. So you know, the Twins are up 7 nothing late in the game, and uh, the Orioles' backup catcher, Chance Sisko, is up. Again, the Orioles are down 7 nothing. The Twins are in a shift. Uh, Jose Barrios is looking to you know close out a complete game shutout, and Sisko dropped down the bunt against the shift in the ninth inning. And the Twins were all up in arms after the game from Barrios to Brian Dozier that, hey, that's not the way you should be playing it late in the game. Kind of like if you don't you don't bunt uh, in the seventh inning beyond and a no-hitter. You know, it's one of those unwritten rules in the game that's been pretty well uh, chronicled and, and talked about and known over the years. Not bunting against the shift because a guy has a complete game shutout in a seven-run game. That That is not an unwritten rule. That is not something that anybody's really thought about much before the Twins decided, hey, that's the wrong thing to do. He's going for a complete game shutout. He's not going for history here. It's not a perfect game. It's not a no-hitter. I don't understand the Twins getting all bent out of shape about that kind of spot. And it's a seven-run game. It's not impossible to be able to come back from down seven runs, even in the ninth inning. That was uh, particularly whiny to me, but just about all the unwritten rules, they come off as whiny when these teams are trying to say, hey, that's not the way you play the game. That's not the right way to go about things. Hey, come on, come on. It's all sour grapes, and it just sounds miserable after the game, and it's the kind of it's the kind of thing that baseball would probably be a little better without all of those unwritten rules and let guys have a little fun and uh, and try to win some games, too, if you're down 7 nothing, Why can't you bunt and get yourself on base? Uh, we'll come back. Uh, Mo Caceres could be with us at 8.05. Uh, former college basketball head coach will preview Villanova, Michigan, the NCAA title game tonight. Right now, a news update.